Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are all having a fantastic day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode today. And um, yeah, guys, um, today is the last official episode of the podcast. Tomorrow's episode will be a recap of everything we went over and just a general thought of the community as a whole, where we started, where we ended, how Pride Month went, and a bunch of other stuff. But um, yeah, this is the last official episode of the podcast Uh, for now. I might bring it back later on in the year, but on a weekly basis, not on a daily basis. As As much fun as I had doing this, this show was also very, very, very stressful to try to come up with topics and also try to record on a regular basis um, with family things and having to maintain the house and all these other things. It's been a lot, but um, it's been worth it. I'm glad I stuck it out all the way to the end. I'm glad that um, no matter what time of year it is, you can go back and listen to all of these episodes and they will still be relevant for you because these issues are things that we do talk about during pride month but there are really issues we should be talking about throughout the entire year but nonetheless i appreciate you guys sticking with me the entire month and yeah let's let's go out on a on a high note all right so yesterday we talked about the stonewall uprising um and we talked about we talked about the what led up to the to the uprising and we talked about the uprising itself now let's talk about the after effects of stonewall um and let's talk about the legacy it's left behind in more ways than one but we'll get to that uh aftermath the feeling of urgency spread throughout greenwich village even to people who had not witnessed the riots Many who were moved by the rebellion attended organizational meetings, sensing an opportunity to take action. On July 4, 1969, the Madison Society performed its annual picketing in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia, calling the annual called the annual reminder. Organizers Craig, Craig Rodwell, Frank Kameny, Randy Wicker, Barbara Giddings, and Kay LaHusen who had all participated in several years, took a bus along with other picketers from New York City to Philadelphia. Since 1965, the pickets had been very controlled. Women wore skirts and men wore suits and ties, and all marched quietly in organized organized lines. This year, Rodwell remembered feeling restricted by the rules Kamney had set. When two women spontaneously held hands, Kamney broke them apart, saying, None of that, none of that, Rodwell. Rodwell, however, convinced about ten couples to hold hands. The hand-holding couples made Kamney furious, but the end but they ended more they earned more press attention than all of the previous marches. Participant Lily Vincenzi Remembered, it was clear that things were changing. People who had felt oppressed now felt empowered. Rodwell returned to New York City determined to change the established quiet, meek ways of trying to get attention. 
One of his first priorities was planning Christopher Street Liberation Day. The Gay Liberation Front Although the Madison Society had existed since the 1950s, many of their methods now seemed too mild for people who had witnessed or been inspired by the riots. Madison recognized the shift in attitudes in a story from the newsletter entitled The Hairpin Drop Heard Around the World. When a Madison officer suggested an amicable and sweet candlelight vigil demonstration, a man in the audience fumed and shouted, Sweet! Bullshit! That's the role society had been forcing these queens to play. With a flyer announcing, Do you think homosexuals are revolting? You bet your sweet ass we are. The Gay Liberation Front was soon formed the first gay organization to use the first gay organization to use gay in its name previous organizations previous organizations such as the Madison Society the Daughters of Belitis and various homophile groups had masked their purpose by deliberately choosing obscure names the rise of m- militancy became apparent to Frank Camney and Barbara Giddings, who had worked in homophile organizations for years and were both very public about their roles, when they attended a GLF meeting to see how this, to see the new group. A young GLF member d- demanded to know who they were and what their credentials were. Giddings nonplussed, stammered, I'm gay, that's why I'm here. The GLF borrowed tactics from and aligned themselves with black and anti-war demonstrators with the ideal that they, quote, could work to restruct American society, unquote. They took on causes of the Black Panthers marching to the women's houses, the women's house of detention in support of Afeni Shakur and other radical new left causes. Four months after the group formed, however, it disbanded when new members were unable to agree on operating procedure. Gay Activist Alliance Within six months of the Stonewall Riots, activists with a citywide newspaper called Gay, they considered it necessary because the most liberal publication in the city, The Village Voice, refused to print the word gay in GLF advertisements seeking new members and volunteers. Two other newspapers were initiated within a six-week period. Come Out and Gay Power, the, re- the readership of these three periodicals, quickly climbed between 20,000 and 25,000. GLF members organized several same-sex dances, but GLF meetings were chaotic. When Bob Kohler asked for clothes and money to help the homeless youth who had participated in the riots, many of whom slept in Christopher Park or Sheridan Square, the response was a discussion on the downfall of capitalism. In late December 1969, several people who, several people who had visited GLF meetings and left out frustration and left out of frustration for the gay right, for the gay activist alliance, the GAA was to be entirely focused on gay issues and more orderly. Their constitution stated, quote, We as liberated homosexual activists demand the freedom for expression of our dignity and value as human beings, unquote. The GAA developed and perfected a confrontational tactic called a zap, where they would catch a politician off guard during a public relations opportunity and force him or her to acknowledge gay and lesbian rights. City councilmen were zapped and Mayor John Lindsay was zapped several times, once on television when GAA members made up the majority of the audience. Raids on gay bars did not stop after the Stonewall riots. In March 1970, Deputy Inspector Seymour Pine raided the Zodiac and 17 Barrow Street, an after-hours gay club with no liquor or 
or occupancy licenses called the Snake Pit was soon raided, and 167 people were arrested. One of them was Diego Vinales, an Argentinian national so frightened that he might be deported as a homosexual that he tried to escape the police precinct by jumping out a two-story window, impaling himself on a 14-inch spike fence. My God. The New York Daily News printed a graphic photo of the young man's impalement on the front page. GAA members organized a march from, from Christopher Park to the 6th Precinct in which hundreds of gay men, lesbians, and liberal sympathizers peacefully confronted the TPF. They also sponsored a letter-writing campaign to Mayor Lindsay in which the Greenwich Village Democratic Party and Congressman Ed, Co Ed Koch sent pleas to end raids on gay bars in the city. The Stonewall Inn lasted only a few weeks after the riots. By October 1969, it was up for rent. The village residents surmised it was too notorious a location and Rodwell's boycott discouraged business. Gay Pride Christopher Street Liberation Day on June 28, 1970 marked the first anniversary of the Stonewall riots with an assembly on Christopher Street. With simultaneous gay pride marches in Los Angeles and Chicago, these were the first gay pride marches in U.S. history. The next year, gay pride marches took place in Boston, Dallas, Milwaukee, London, Paris, West Berlin, and Stockholm. The march in New York covered 51 blocks from Christopher Street to Central Park. The march took less than half the scheduled time due to excitement, but also due to wariness about walking through the city with gay banners and signs. Although the parade permit was delivered only two hours before the start of the march, the marchers encountered little resistance from the onlookers. The New York Times reported on the front page that the marchers took up the entire street for about 15 city blocks. Reporting, the village voice was po reporting by the village voice was positive, describing, quote, the out-front resistance that grew out of the police raid on the Stonewall Inn one year ago, unquote. By 1972, the participating cities included Atlanta, Buffalo, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Miami, Minneapolis, and Philadelphia, as well as San Francisco. Frank Camney soon realized the pivotal change brought by the Stonewall Riots. An organizer of gay activism in the 1950s, he was used to persuasion, trying to convince heterosexuals that gay people were no different than they were. When he and other people marched in front of the White House, the State Department, and an Independence Hall only five years earlier, their objective was to look as if they could work for the U.S. government. Ten people marched with Camney then, and they alerted no press to their intentions. Although, this, although he was stunned by the upheaval by participants in the annual reminder in 1969, he later observed, quote, By the time of Stonewall, we had 50 to 60 gay groups in the country. A year later, that was, there was at least 50. Um, 1,500. By two years later, to the extent that a count could be made, it was 2,500, unquote. Um, similar to Camney's regret at uh, his own reaction to the shift in attitudes after the riots, Randy Wicker came to describe his embarrassment as, quote, one of the greatest mistakes of his life, unquote. The image of gay people relating, retaliating against the police after so many years of allowing such treatment to go unchallenged stirred on an, an unexpected spirit among many homosexuals. Kay Lausen, who photographed the marches in 1965, stated, quote, Up to 1969, 
This movement was generally called the homosexual and homophile or homophile movement. Many new activists considered the Stonewall Uprising the birth of the gay liberation movement. Certainly, it was the birth of gay pride on a massive scale, unquote. David Carter, in his article, quote, What Made Stonewall Different, unquote, explained that he thought, explained that even though there were several uprisings before Stonewall, the reason Stonewall was so historic, historical was that thousands of people were involved. The riot lasted a long time, six days, it was the first time it was the first to get major media coverage and it sparked the formation of many gay rights groups. And now the legacy. Unlikely community. Within two years of the Stonewall riots, there were gay there were gay rights groups in every major American city, as well as Canada, Australia, and Western Europe. People who joined activists organizations after the riots had very little in common other than their same-sex attraction. Many who arrived at GLF or GAA meetings were taken aback by the number of gay people in one place. Race, class, ideology, and gender became frequent obstacles in the years after the riots. This was illustrated during the 1973 Stonewall rally when, moments after Barbara Giddings exuberantly praised the diversity of the crowd, feminist activist Jean O'Leary protested what she perceived as the mocking of women by cross-dressers and drag queens in attendance. During a speech by O'Leary in which she claimed that drag queens made fun of women for, inter- for entertainment value and profit, Sylvia Rivera and Lee Brewster jumped on the stage and shouted, You go to bars because of what drag queens did for you, and these bitches tell us to quit being ourselves. Both the drag queens and lesbian feminists in attendance left in disgust. Um, O'Leary wor- also worked in the, ni- in the early 1970s to exclude transgender people from gay rights issues because she felt that rights for transgender people would be too difficult to attain. Not an excuse, but whatever. Sylvia Rivera left New York City in the mid-1970s, relocating to upstate New York, but later returned to the city in the mid-1990s to advocate for homeless members of the gay community. The initial disagreements between participants in the movement, however, often evolved after further reflection. O'Leary later regretted her stance against the drag queens attending in 1973. Quote, Looking back, I find this so embarrassing because my views have changed so much since then. I would never pick on a transvestite now. It was horrible. How could I work to exclude transvestites and at the same time criticize the feminists who were doing their best back in those days to exclude lesbians? Unquote. O'Leary was referring to the Lavender Menace, a, des- a description by second wave feminist Betty Friedman for attempts by members of the National Organization for Women to distance themselves from the perception of now as a haven for lesbians. As part of this process, Rita Mae Brown and other lesbians who had been active in now were forced out. They staged a protest in 1970 at the Second Congress to Unite Women and earned the support of many now members, finally gaining full acceptance in 1971. The growth of lesbian feminism in the 1970s at times so conflicted with the gay liberation movement that some lesbians refused to work with gay men. Many lesbians found men's attitudes patriarchal and chauvinistic and saw in gay men the same misguided notions about women as they saw in heterosexual men. Um, The issues most important to gay men, entrapment and public solicitation, were not shared by lesbians. 
1977, a lesbian gay a lesbian pride rally was organized as an alternative to sharing gay men's issues, especially what Adrian Rich termed, quote, the violent, self-destructive world of the gay bars, unquote. Veteran gay activist Barbara Giddings chose to work in the gay rights movement, explaining it's a matter of where does it hurt the most. For me, it hurts the most not in the female arena, but the gay arena. Uh... Throughout the 1970s, gay activism had significant successes. One of the first and most important was the ZAP in May 1970 by the Los Angeles GLF at a convention of the American Psychiatric Association. At a conference on behavior modification, during a film demonstrating the use of electroshock therapy to decrease same-sex attraction, Morris Knight and GLF members in the audience interrupted the film with shouts of torture and barbarism. They took over the microphone to announce that medical professionals who prescribed such therapy for their homosexual patients were complicit in torturing them. Although 20 psychiatrists in attendance left, the GLF spent the hour following the zap with those remaining, trying to convince them that homosexual people were not mentally ill. When the APA invited gay activists to speak to their group in 1972, Activists brought John E. Fryer, a gay psychiatrist who wore a mask because he felt his presence to his practice was in danger. In December 1973, in large part due to the efforts of gay activists, the APA voted unanimously to remove homosexuality from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Gay men and lesbians came together to work in grassroots politician organization, political organizations responding to organized resistance in 1977. A coalition of conservatives named Save Our Children staged a campaign to repeal a civil rights ordinance in Dade County, Florida. Save Our Children was successful enough to influence similar repeals in several American cities in 1978. However, the same year, a campaign in Florida called the Briggs Initiative, designed to force the dismissal of homosexual public school employees, was defeated. Reaction to the influence of Save Our Children and the Briggs Initiative in the gay community was so significant that it has been called the second stonewall for many activists, marking their initiation into pol- political participation. The subsequent 1979 National March on Washington for Lesbian and Gay Rights was timed to coincide with the 10-year anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Rejection of, rejection of Prior Gay Subculture the Stonewall Riots marked a significant turning point that many aspects of prior gay and lesbian culture, such as bar culture formed from decades of shame and secrecy, were forcefully ignored and denied. Historian Martin Duberin writes, quote, The decades preceding Stonewall continued to be regarded by most gay men and lesbians as some vast Neolithic wasteland, unquote. Sociologist Barry Adam notes, quote, Every social movement must choose at some point what to retain and what to reject out of its past. What traits are the result of oppression and what are healthy and authentic? Unquote. In conjunction with the, growth, with the growing feminist movement of, of the early 1970s, roles of butch and femme lesbians that developed in lesbian bars in the 1950s and 60s were rejected. But as one writer put it, quote, all role playing is sick. Unquote. Lesbian feminists considered the butch roles as archaic imitations of masculine behavior. Some women, according to Lillian Faderman, were eager to shed the roles they felt forced into playing. The roles returned for women in the 1980s, although they allowed for more flexibility than before Stonewall. Author Michael Bronsick highlights the, quote, attack on pre-Stonewall culture, unquote, 
particularly gay pulp fiction for men, when the themes often reflected self-hatred or ambivalence about gay, about being gay. Many books in, ended unsatisfactorily or and drastically often with suicide, and writers portrayed their gay characters as alcoholics or deeply unhappy. These books, which he described as an enormous and cohesive literature by and for, by and for gay men, have not been reissued and are lost to later generations. Dismissing the reason simply as political correctness, Bronsky writes, quote, Gay liberation was a youth movement whose sense of history was defined to a large degree by rejection of the past, unquote. Lasting impact and recognition. I think we're almost done. The riot spawned from a bar raid became a literal example of gay men and lesbians fighting back and a symbol and symbolic call to arms for many people. Historian David Carter remarks his, in his book about the Stonewall Riots that the bar itself was a complex business that represented a community center, an opportunity for the mafia to blackmail its own customers, a home, and a place for exploitation and, degrad and degradation. The true legacy of the Stonewall Riots, Carter insists, is the ongoing struggle for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender equality. Historian Nicholas Edsale writes... Stonewall has been compared to any number of acts of radical protest and defiance in American history from the Boston Tea Party on, but the best and certainly and certainly a more nearly contemporary analogy is with Rosa Parks' refusal to remove to the back of the bus in Montgomery, Alabama in December 1955, which sparked the modern civil rights movement. Within months after Stonewall, radical gay liberation groups and newsletters strang up in cities and on college campuses across America and then across all of North Europe, Northern Europe as well. Before the rebellion at, at the Stonewall Inn, homosexuals were, as historian Dudley Clendenin and Adam Nagurney write, a secret legion of people known, known of but discounted, ignored, laughed at, or despised. And like the holders of a secret, they had an advantage which was a disadvantage too, and which was true of no other minority group in the United States. They were invisible, unlike African American women, African Americans, women, Native Americans, Jews, the Irish, Italians, Asians, Hispanics, or any other cultural group with which struggled for respect and equal rights. Homosexuals had no physical or cultural markings, no language or dialect which could identify them to each other or to anyone else. But that night, for the first time, the, un the usual acquiescence turned into violent resistance. From that night, the lives of millions of gay men and lesbians and the attitude towards them of the larger culture in which they lived began to change rapidly. People began to appear in public as homosexuals demanding respect. Historian Lil Lillian Fetterman called the riots the shot, the shot heard around the world, explaining the Stonewall Rebellion was crucial because it sounded like the rally for that movement. It became an emblem of gay and lesbian power. By calling on the dramatic tactic of the of violent protest that was being used by other oppressed groups, the events at the Stonewall implied that homosexuals had as much reason to be disaffected as they. As they. Um, Joan, Nest Joan Nestle co-founded the Lesbian um, Herstory Archives in 1974 and credits, quote, its creation to that night and the courage that, it found, that found its voice in the streets. 
Cautious, however, to unquote. Cautious, however, not to attribute the start of gay activism to the Stonewall riots. Nestle wrote writes, "I certainly don't see gay and lesbian history starting with Stonewall, and I don't see resistance starting with Stonewall. What I do see is a historical coming together of forces, and the sixties changed how human beings endured things in this society and what they refused to endure." Certainly something special happened on that night in 1969, and we've made it more special in our need to have what I call a port of origin. It's more complex than saying that it all started with Stonewall. The events of the early morning of June 28, 1969 were not the first instances of gay men and lesbians fighting back against police in New York City and elsewhere. Not only had the Madison Society been active in major cities such as Los Angeles and Chicago, but similarly marginalized people started the riot at Compton's Cafeteria in 1966, and another riot responded to, to a raid on Los Angeles Black Cat Tavern in 1967. However, several circumstances were in place that made Stonewall riots memorable. The location of the Lower Manhattan raid was a factor. It was across the street from the Village Voice offices, and the narrow crooked streets gave the rioters advantage over the police. Many of the participants and residents of Greenwich Village were involved in political organizations that were effectively able to mobilize a large and cohesive gay community in the weeks and months after the rebellion. The most significant facet of the Stonewall riots, however, was the commemoration of them in Christopher Street Liberation Day, which grew into the annual gay pride events around the world. Stonewall, officially Stonewall Equality Limited, is an LGBT rights charity in the United Kingdom founded in 1989 and named after the Stonewall Inn because of the Stonewall Riots. The Stonewall Awards is an annual event um, the charity has held since 2006 to recognize people who, had, who have affected the lives of British lesbian, gay, bisexual, lesbian, gay, and bisexual people. The middle of the 1990s was marked by the inclusion of bisexuals as a represented group within the gay community when they successfully sought to inclu- be included in the, on the platform of the 1993 March on Washington for Lesbian, Gay, and Bi Equal Rights and Liberation. Transgender people also asked to be included, but were not, though trans-inclusive language was added to the March's list of demands. The transgender community continued to find itself simultaneously welcome and at odds with the gay community as attitudes about non-binary gender discrimination and pansexual orientation developed and came increasingly into conflict. In 1994, New York City celebrates Stonewall 25 with a march that went past the United Nations headquarters and into Central Park. Estimates put the attendance at 1.1 million people. Sylvia Rivera led an alternate march in New York City in 1994 to protest the exclusion of transgender people from the events. Attendance at LGBT Pride events had grown substantially over the decades. Most larger cities around the world now have some kind of Pride demonstration. Pride events in some cities mark the largest annual celebration of any kind. The growing trend towards commercializing marches into parades, with events receiving corporate sponsorship, has caused concern about taking away the autonomy of the original grassroots demonstrations that put inexpensive activism in the hands of individuals. Uh, Stonewall Shabbat Cedar was first held at Banal Jeshurun, a synagogue on New York's Upper West Side in 1995. President Barack Obama declared June 2009 Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Pride Month, citing the riots as a reason to commit to achieving equal justice under law for LGBT Americans. The year marked the 40th anniversary of the riots, giving journalists 
and activist cause to reflect on progress made since 1969. Frank Rich noted in the New York Times that not, no federal legislation exists to protect the rights of gay Americans. An editorial in the Washington Blade compared to compared the scruffy violent activism during and following the Stonewall riots to lackluster response to failed promises given by President Obama for being ignored. Wealthy LGBT activists reacted by promising to give less money to democratic causes. Two years later, the Stonewall Inn served as a rallying point for celebration for celebrations after the New York State Senate voted to pass same-sex marriage. The act was signed into law by Governor Andrew Cuomo on June 24, 2011. Individual states continue to battle with homophobia. With homophobia, the Missouri Senate passed a measure. Passed a measure. Its support characterized as a religious freedom bill that could change the state's constitution despite Democrats' objections and their 39-hour filibuster. The bill allows the protection of certain religious organizations and individuals from being penalized by the state because of their sincere religious beliefs or practices concerning marriage between two persons of the same sex, discriminating against homosexual patronage. Obama also referenced the Stonewall riots in a call for full equality during his second inaugural address on January 21, 2013. We the people declare that the most evident of truths that all of us are created equal is the star that guides us still just that it, just as it guided our forebears through seneca falls and selma and stonewall our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated just like anyone else under the law for if we truly if we are truly created equal then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well this was a historic moment, being the first time a president mentioned gay rights or the word gay in an inaugural, in an inaugural address. In 2014, a marker dedicated to the Stonewall riots was included in the Legacy Walk, an outdoor dis- public display in Chicago celebrating LGBT history and people. Throughout June 2019, Stonewall 50 World Pride NYC 2019 produced by Heritage of Pride in partnership with the I Love New York program's LGBT division was held in New York to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. The final official estimate included 5 million visitors attending in Manhattan alone, making it the largest LGBTQ celebration in history. June is traditionally Pride Month in New York City and worldwide, and the events were held under, under the auspicious of the annual NYC Pride March. An apology from New York City Police Commissioner James P. O'Neill on June 6, 2019 coincided with World Pride being celebrated in New York City. O'Neill apologized on behalf of the NYPD for the actions of its officers at the Stonewall Uprising in 1969. The official 50th commemoration of the Stonewall Uprising happened on June on 28th of June on Christopher Street in front of Stonewall Inn. The official commemoration was themed as a rally and referenced the original rallies in front of Stonewall Inn in 1969. Talent for this event included Mayor de Blasio, Senator Kristen Gillibrand, Congressman Jerry Nadler, American activist Emma Gonzalez, and global activist Remy Bonney. In, 20, in 2019, Paris, France officially named a square in the Marie as Place de Mieux de Stonewall. In 2018, 49 years after the uprising, Stonewall Day was announced as a commemoration day by Pride Live, a social advocacy and community engagement organization. The second Stonewall Day was held on Friday, June 28, 2019, outside Stonewall Inn. 
During this event, Pride Live introduced their Stonewall Ambassadors program to raise awareness for the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Those appearing at the event included Gina Roccaro, First Lady of New York City, um, Sherilyn McRae, Josephine Scriver, Wilson Cruz, Ryan Jamal, Ryan Jamal Swain, Angelica Ross, Donatella Versace, Conchita Wurst, Bob the Drag Queen, Wobby Goldberg, and Lady Gaga, with performances by Alex Newell and Alicia Keys. Uh, historic Landmark and Monument In June 1999, the U.S. Department of the Interior Wait, in June 1999, the U.S. Department of the Interior designated 51 and 53 Christopher Street and the surrounding area in Greenwich Village to be on the National Register of Historic Places, the first of, the first of significance to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. In a dedication ceremony, Assistant Secretary of the Department of the Interior, John Barry, stated, quote, Let it forever be remembered that here, on this spot, men and women stood proud. They stood fast, so that we may be who we are. We may work where we will, live where we choose, and love whom our hearts desire, unquote. The Stonewall Inn it was itself named a, a National Historic Landmark in February of 2000. In May in May. 2015, the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission announced it would officially consider designating the Stonewall Inn as a landmark, making it the, the first city location to be considered based on its LGBT cultural significance alone. On June 23, 2015, the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission unanimously approved the designation of the Stonewall Inn as a city landmark, making it the first landmark honored for its role in the fight for gay rights. On June 24, 2016, President Obama announced the establishment of the Stonewall National Monument site to be administered by the National Park Service. The designation, which followed transfer of the city parkland to the federal government, protects Christopher Park and adjacent areas totaling more than seven, than seven acres. The Stonewall Inn is within the boundaries of the monument but remains privately owned. The National Park Foundation formed a new nonprofit organization to raise more funds for a ranger station and and interpretive exhibits for the monument. Um, and that is it. Yep, that is it. And then we also know that Stonewall National Monument was revealed last year during Pride to coincide with the 50th anniversary. But yes, that is... That is Stonewall. That was... We talked about the beginnings of the riots the riot itself yesterday and now we just talked about all of the changes and all of the uh groups and all the movements that came from the ashes of stonewall and it again i, I said this yesterday but i'll repeat myself here it just serves as a reminder that this was a point in time where it was perfectly acceptable to let the police walk all over you. And then one night, one random night in June, people were just like, do we have to put up with this? Can we fight back? And they decided, why not? And they did it. And they changed the world forever. It's, it's, it's insane to think that if that one night in June, if the police wouldn't have tried to pull that bullshit on that one random night in June, the, the, 
the whole gay pride movement would look so much different. It's insane to me that 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 that's what that is. That that is insane. Um. But um, yeah, yeah. I find I find it interesting. I find it very interesting. Um, but yes, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm very, very, very happy that we made it to the end of the month. Like I said earlier, tomorrow's episode will not be uh, focused on one topic as a whole. It'll just be like a closing ceremony kind of thing where we just close up shop, reflect, and just discuss things that happened and all this other things. Um, but uh yeah ending affirmations as always you are loved you are seen you are valid you are heard you're doing great i'm proud of you keep going also donate protest educate uh sign petitions things are getting crazy out there things are getting more tense by the day things are getting scarier by the day but you'll get through it all right you guys got this you've got you guys are a bunch of badasses all right i believe in you you've got this all right so once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Appreciate you listening. And I will see you guys tomorrow for the final time.